All right. You guys hear me? Great. Please turn your Bibles to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. How's your morning going? I don't know about you, but it's going great for me so far. You know, I appreciate that analogy with the water. I think it does help us to focus. It did help me to focus, especially sharing today. I can feel a lot of anxiety, as you can tell right there. But uh, at the end of the day, we're here for God, right? If you're here with us for the first time or you're visiting, we hope you feel right at home. We are a fun bunch, a colorful bunch from all walks of life. We're here because we want to know God and we want to make God known. That's our goal. Every member of the church here, at one point, we sat down and we had personal Bible studies. Because no one told us what God wanted us for us. We were sat down and we studied the Bible so we can hear from God Himself what He wants for us and with us. And so if you're visiting, I want to encourage you to take that opportunity and sit down and study the Bible so that you don't find out what our church believes but that you can find out what Jesus wants for you. Amen? I'm so grateful that someone sat down with me and helped me have a relationship with God based on the Scriptures, not on a tradition or a way of doing things for a particular group. And because of that, I can have a relationship with God that's going to last So grateful for that. You know, it's true, as a church, we've gone through a couple of something, something, something. But I think the water has settled as a church. Amen? But now what? I think we have the privilege right now as a church, to dream. To dream. We'll talk a little bit about that today. You know, last week, Ken talked to, preached on the church, and he had four points, right? The church is a family, a hospital slash rehab. It's a couple's retreat, but it's also a department of war. We're here to know God and to make God known. But as things settle, we feel really blessed by God. I know I do. Renewed in our vision, renewed in our faith, perhaps. Some of us are like, man, I've been there for months. I was just waiting for you guys. Thank you for your patience. But now we can dream. You know, as I was growing up in my faith, I became a Christian at 18. A few weeks ago, I turned 32. Wow. Um... I still feel like I'm 18. I still kind of think and behave like I'm 18. Is that good? Maybe. But I'm, as I was growing up spiritually, one of the things we, we talked about all the time with the brothers in the campus ministry was 
What do you want to do for God? And we would talk about how we wanted a dream and a kingdom dream. How we were going to go and serve God. Now that I'm 32, especially in the last few months, I don't really think about that anymore. And that's good, I think. I don't really think about what do I want to do for God. That's not my goal anymore. My goal is what does God want to do with me? I don't need to have a dream for God. God already has a dream for me. I don't need to capture a vision. I need to capture God's vision. In John chapter 3, we see kind of the conclusion of a ministry in John the Baptist. John the Baptist is one of my favorite people in the Bible. He was a desert man, a preaching man, a really unique diet. But there came a time where his ministry kind of had to end because now Jesus, the one he had been preaching about, teaching about, was finally there. And you knew that when John the Baptist was the man, he had his vision, he had his dream, but there came a point where he had to surrender his dream because there was a greater dream that was going to go on, and that was Jesus' ministry. And can you imagine if you're the lead guy, everyone's coming to you. You're training everyone. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes, and everyone is now going to Jesus. No one's kind of calling anymore. No one's really seeking your input anymore. They're coming to you, hey, where's Jesus? I wonder how he felt. I wonder if he was was expecting to be one of the twelve. Can you imagine if John the Baptist was one of the twelve? He may, maybe he thought, I'm going to be one of the twelve. Oh, he's here? I'm about to be part of Jesus' ministry? But the call didn't come. God's dream was a little different than perhaps John's dream. And so, you know how brothers are. They kind of ask you, like, hey, how you doing? How you feeling about that? Right? Sometimes because they care, other times they just want to know. And they want to know how to answer for the people that are asking. So they say, John, what's up? How do you feel? And in verse 27, John says, To this John replied, A man can receive only what is giving him from heaven. I don't think he felt that. I think he chose to think that. To guard his heart. And as an act of faith. Then he says, he kind of, perhaps you can view it as, is he being defensive or he's explaining or he's still kind of working through some things? I don't know. But he says, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. That's good. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him. And is full of what? Joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. The joy, that joy is mine. 
and it is now complete. And I love verse 30. I've always loved verse 30, except in the last year and a half. He must become greater. I must become less. Powerful. He doesn't even name himself first. I must become. No, no. He must become greater. I must become less. As a church, we now have the privilege to dream. But let's not dream our own dream. Let's dream God's dream first. We can have our own dream. My encouragement to you, my appeal to us this morning is this. Let's dream God's dream first. Let's have him become greater and us become less. At the end of the day, that is what we all want. We just got to be a little intentional about it and secure that that happens first. Amen. So I like the scripture now again. And it's been it's been great. You know, as we're in some ways restructuring or clarifying things and moving forward. Again, this is all exciting. But there's a little two extremes that we want to caution. I don't sense hints of this, but it's worth noting. It says, He who leads the upright along an evil path will fall into his own trap, but the blameless will receive a good inheritance. I always wonder, how did we get to so many churches in the religious world? I think it was good intentions, but they got so caught up in their own thinking, in their own way of things, that they got in trouble and division began. Weirdness began. Right? We got to be careful. This is one extreme, right? And we've seen this happen. The other extreme is the prudent see danger and keep going, but the simple keep going. Sorry, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. We've all understood, man, we've got to make some adjustments. We don't want to be simple and keep going and suffer for things again. We want to be prudent. I think those are two extremes. Amen? But let's go ahead and let's dream and look at God's dream first. So I have one point here that I want us to remember. Sometimes our own dreams need to pause in order for God's dreams to become our cause. Can you say that with me? Sometimes our own dreams need to pause in order for God's dream to to become our cause. We are people of conviction. We are people that are encouraged constantly to have our own conviction, our own faith, in that we can develop our own dreams. I have, and I'll share that a little bit. But for me, those dreams became a stumbling block because they were my dreams. And so then I kind of got stuck because I was feeling like no one's listening to my dreams. At the end of the day, short story here, God was the one saying, no, you need to be where you're at 
and serve me. I was interpreting as people aren't listening to me. I was frustrated, judgmental sometimes, unmotivated, disillusioned. I'm not that anymore. But I was. But the result for me was, the aha moment was, when I just told God one day as I went out to pray, I said, God, it almost feels like you're the one saying no. (laughs) And I kid you not, I stopped praying and I walked to my car sad. I couldn't talk to God anymore. Now I did, you know, later. But I was like, oh, that's the answer. You're the one saying no. But this is for you. Like, this is for people's needs. But that just wasn't his dream for me at that moment. Sometimes our own dreams need to pause. A lot of my dreams are ministry dreams. But perhaps your dreams of your own education, your business... Those can become so much of a passion that they can surpass God's dream in your heart. I think we all need this. Another little point here I want to make. This is not for all of us, but for some of us. Some of our dreams need to end so that God's dreams can begin. I was using my poetic skills right here. Just kidding. I think it will help us remember But I remember when I studied the Bible, I knew certain dreams had to end if I truly wanted to be a committed Christian. And I wrestled with that. I'm so glad I was able to end certain dreams so that God's dreams can begin. One of these two, I'm very confident, applies to you. Maybe both. Jesus had a very clear dream after his ministry, a very clear vision as he trained these 12 guys, as he did his ministry. Sometimes we look at these guys and say, man, how did they not get it? But at the end of the day, they were more trained than any of us will ever be because Jesus trained them. We still see their flaws and their humanity, but they knew what they were doing for the most part. And whenever they missed a step, God would come in and remind them again. But here Jesus kind of wraps up his ministry. We we know this is the Great Commission, right? So these are 11 guys now being called to this mountain. I think on the way up there, there was 11 different perspectives as to what should happen. I think on their walk up there, there was 11 different perspectives as to what they think was going to happen. And 11 different perspectives as to what they wanted to happen. But those 11 perspectives were just 11 perspectives because once they got up there, there was one clear dream and command. These are 11 experts, after being trained by Jesus himself, going up this mountain. Okay, so what's next? And as Jesus tells them, The Bible tells us some doubted. Why? Maybe they were caught up in their own dream. We had some businessmen there. We had some guerrilla soldiers there. We had some really followers of John the Baptist who left John the Baptist, obviously, to follow Jesus. There was men of conviction, of character, 
And now they've had victories under their belt, so they're a little more confident, borderline prideful perhaps. Eleven different perspectives. But Jesus said, I have all authority. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go. And we're going to make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to what? Obey. Not teaching them to believe. That's why when we sat down and studied the Bible, and we were taught to obey the Bible, our lives changed. Because no one from the pulpit told us what to believe. The Bible told us what to obey. That's God's dream. That every person would be taught not to agree, not to believe, but to obey. Not a person, not a culture, not, not a church, but Jesus. What a great vision. No wonder some doubted. Later on in Acts, he, for the last time, Jesus meets with them physically and kind of lays out the plan. And they still kind of said, uh, are you going to restore Israel? You can still see that they kind of wanted their own dream. Wouldn't have been a bad dream, but there was just a greater dream. And Jesus makes that clear. And so Jesus says, no, I'm going to send you here, here, here. You're going to start here, and you're going to end here. So let's look again here at John the Baptist. After John the Baptist, what we read in John chapter 3, he's still around. Less crowds, less attention, more time to himself, which could be good and bad. And then he gets arrested. You put a desert man in prison, that's discouraging. After everything he did for God, what do you think his thoughts were? Can we relate? Now, I don't want to over-dramatize my situation here, but I do want to share vulnerably. But I kind of felt like God put me in a little prison. Like I couldn't go where I wanted to go. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. But that's where I needed to be because it exposed my pride. It exposed my desire to get glory or credit for me. It exposed and refined me. What are you in the ministry for, Martin Jimenez Chaitis? The Lord doesn't have an accent. And I was able to... I was able to renew my vows and commit to God. John the Baptist sends messengers in prison. Guys, can you just find out if this really Jesus? Like, John, you baptized him. You preached about him. You kind of exist to set him up. And yet he doubted. And so Jesus says, Go back, report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy and are, are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. I'm like, why did Jesus use that language? Why didn't he say, how's he feeling? Can you just ask him these three questions? Can you pray with him? He just said, go tell him the facts. 
here's what's happening. Because that's what John would have understood. Because John was familiar with the Old Testament uh, prophecies. And and there's a prophecy in Isaiah that later Jesus reads, right? The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So you see the language is very similar. What was he telling John? John, take heart. The scriptures are being fulfilled. The dream goes on. Now, he didn't get him out of prison. In fact, later... But I think he was encouraged to be reminded from the scriptures, oh, this is what it's about. It's not about me in this prison. It's about God's dream moving forward. And then he takes his last stand, rebukes Herod, and then is killed for it. That's awesome. He had to pause his dream. He had to end his dream so that God's dream can move forward. As the shaking stops, amen. But now we can dream. Let's dream God's dreams first. Paul, in some ways, I heard this last Friday at our Devo, we kind of know a lot more even about Paul than about Jesus in a sense of we know what Paul was thinking and feeling because he's so open. Paul was an evangelist of evangelists, a church planting man. A man of the open road, encouraging, a man who had the authority from Jesus himself to lead and to preach. That's kind of cool. And where does he end up? In jail, in house arrest, chained to a soldier. How do you think he felt? We know his ambition was to advance God's church. He was planting church and then going back and strengthening and one missionary journey, two missionary, three, and then he gets arrested some point in between that. Can you imagine what he's sitting there thinking? God, what are you doing? Maybe he's blaming Satan. Man, Satan's locked me up. No, Paul. We know now God locked you up. Don't be using that. I got locked up for Jesus. No. But we have the privilege now of having Colossians, Philemon, Philippians, and Ephesians. Those are the epistles that Paul wrote while in prison. You see, his dream was, let me go plant another church. Let me go strengthen another church. God was like, you're actually going to be more effective for me in a prison. Because as he started writing these letters, these letters started circulating the church. And he was able to actually influence more people while being chained to a soldier than he would have been traveling the open road. Preaching the gospel. Paul 
had great dreams, but God's dreams were greater. Paul had to pause his dream so that God's dream could become his cause. And so we see that. Now I want, to know, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Was he fired up about that? I don't know, but he figured out this is what God wants. I think he got fired up about it. Wouldn't have been the way he would have done it. But at the end of the day, we're here for God. He says, it has served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters, not all, most, have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul had to realize, man, it's not about my dream. I think we have a great opportunity here to dream God's dream first. You almost got to ask yourself for the college students, why are you in college? Kind of a silly question. But I think, we think we're in college for an education. I would argue we're in college to advance the gospel. And while we're there, we should get an education. <laughs> what do you think God's dream is? But that applies to all of us. Whether we're business owners or starting our business, or just trying to get through the week, pay our debt, work that out, manage our finances, right? It's all about God's gospel. Then he says, dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my, because I don't know if I'm coming back. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I think Paul wrestled. Is God doing this? Why would God do this? I didn't sign up for this. I think all the things we wrestle with, right? This is, I'm not happy right now. This is not where I expected to be at 32 years old. Like, but God says, no, that's where I want you to be. I think Paul, before he challenges people, reminds people to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, he had to work out his salvation with fear and trembling. Because when you are not fired up about God's dream, like me, you can get critical, discouraged, focused on men, politics, and start labeling situations, and you start airing out your own opinions that are greater than everyone else's. I'm sharing Martin's stuff. Not Martine, Martin's stuff. But that can happen to all of us. Paul had to wrestle. And then he lands. The shaking stopped. And now he could dream for God. And he says, For it is God 
who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do you want God to do whatever he needs to do with your life in order for his will to be produced in your life? That's a scary prayer. That was my first prayer that got me into a change. I shared this all week. Because I was afraid to ask God for this. Whatever you do, just do it, God, so I can change. I can grow. And then God sends me to the teen ministry 10 years ago. But that was God's plan. I love the youth ministry. I didn't when I first was asked to go, but I do now. But I think we all want this. For God's purpose to be fulfilled in us. But there's a, there's a cost. We want God's purpose to be fulfilled in us. Your dream may have to pause. Your dream may have to end. And Paul says later in that letter, For everyone looks out for their own interest, including himself as a godly man, not those of Jesus Christ. He surrendered, and then he got excited. As individuals, as families, as specialized ministry, as a church, if you're studying the Bible, coming out, we're all called to this. And it's our choice. Do we surrender our dreams, pause our dreams, if God's dreams need to come, need to come first? I'm going to show a quick video here. And this is from a documentary, a TV series, a HBO series called Band of Brothers. And this is a World War II. An easy company there. They, they take you from D-Day all the way to going back and, you know, into, into the heart of Germany where the war was. And so towards the end of the war there, these soldiers that have experienced so much sacrifice, so much death, and now they're seeing the, uh, the enemy's troops kind of surrendered, and they just start getting so critical and upset. And, why am I here? My life has changed. All my friends have died. And all these new recruits come, and they just want to see action. And they're like, why do you want to see action? You have no idea what you're talking about. And they're so bitter, so tired, weary of the battle, unmotivated, grumpy, complaining. Bitter. But then they start running into the death concentration camps. And they realize, this is why we're fighting. And I want to show it to you so we can remember. Let's dream again. Because this is why we are dreaming. This is why we are fighting.
What a powerful scene. All the grumbling, the complaining, the weariness of war and another mission and another mission and the irritation of these young guys just went away. Just like in Matthew 28, as 11 different brothers are walking up that mountain, there's a different, 11 different perspectives. But there was one dream and one command, and they all bought into it. We need to dream. We need to dream God's dream first, because many who do not yet know God are depending on us dreaming for Culver City, for the west side of L.A., for Malibu, for Inglewood, for our college ministries, for our high schools. We need to dream God's dream first because there are still many who do not know God, many who are not being accurately taught the completeness of the gospel, many who don't live to obey the word of God but simply believe it, God's vision, God's dream was clear. Teach them to obey. We need to dream for them. In closing here, Jesus had his own dream that he had to pause. Maybe Jesus' own dream had to end so that the Father's dream could begin. What do you mean? Well, we know in the garden he wrestled. And out of the overflow of his heart, he says, if there's another way, if he said that, I think he probably thought it through. Maybe even strategize another way in his thinking, even if it was just a blind thought. But what did he do? No. Let your will be done. He denied himself. He ended his dream to fully surrender to the scriptures. Therefore, now he has the authority to command us to do so because he has done it first. If Jesus had to surrender his dream, if we call it that, for the greater dream, and call these other 11 guys to do the same, and as the gospel spreads, it's come to us, and we did it already, And now we need to do it again. Jesus, you and I. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No! It was for this very reason I came to this hour. My favorite scripture of all time. Father, glorify your name. Imagine if all of us, look around, if all of us, Commit to dreaming God's dream first. Even before our own great thought through dreams. And I'm not being sarcastic. We have a lot of great dreams. Let's just put God's dreams first. Sometimes our dreams need a pause in order for God's dreams to become our cause. Some of our dreams need to end so that God's dreams can begin. God's dreams need to be our number one passion. Our dreams cannot override current needs. That was one lesson I had to learn. It doesn't mean you can't dream. You just can't ignore needs in the church. 
before dreaming. West Side, we are free to dream God's dream. That's so encouraging. Finally! What is the dream of God that isn't being fulfilled among us? Can you consider that this week? Can you think about that and pray about that? And let me ask you, member, how do you serve the church? How do you serve the church? Like, answer yourself right now. Is it setting up? Is it this? Is it leading here? Is it serving here? If you cannot answer it, you are not serving the church. Dream God's dream first. Look around. God is dreaming for the West Side Church. Who we can be. What we can do. Who we can help. What does God see? What is God's dream for the West Side Church? I think it's clear in Scripture. It just needs some fire from members. That's where we come in, because we're ready to do so. Let's pray. Father, we want to dream your dream. Your dream has saved us, God. It's rescued us from an empty way of life. It's given us a relationship with you. It's given us best friends of of all time, God. Father, it's given us a great cause and a mission and a purpose. It's giving us the answer to the illnesses of our hearts and of our past and of our future. God, it's given us the answer to the complication in relationships. We have it all. Help us to dream your dream first, like John did, like Paul did, like you himself, like Jesus himself did. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.